Good evening, and welcome to your second episode of That Which Does Not Kill Us. I'm your host, Sarah Arnold, and uh, today we're going to be talking about a variety of forms of letting go. And uh, so I feel like this is an important topic for me because this is something that I am in the process of learning how to do. So let me backtrack and tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I am a 20-year retail worker and I have been in the management field since around 2007. So let's just say I've been going at this for a while. Um, One of the things that I have learned is I have developed my style of management is that I have control issues. Uh, They are very deep-seated and I am also very particular. Uh, Anybody that has worked for me can tell you how much of a tyrant I can be in the workplace because of the impossibly high standards I have for both myself and my staff. Um, This is both very good and very bad in a working environment. A lot of it is very heavily dependent upon my mental state in terms of my staff. So I say this because uh, one of the things that I have recently noticed in reflecting on my previous behaviors as things were falling apart in my personal life and how little control I felt with that is that what I would do was compensate for being overly controlled in my home environment by being overly controlling in my work environment. So I was basically sharing that love, so to speak. Um, I can only imagine that it was probably a very unpleasant experience for people that fell under my umbrella of responsibility, uh, more now than ever, as this is something that I am working very consciously to be better about. Um, it's a struggle. I'm still very particular, but the thing that I am going through right now in my self-help processes is to learn to find an acceptable level of imperfection. Uh, This has been easier as of late than what it has in many previous stages within my personal life and career. So um, that would be letting go. The other interesting fact that I have to point out about this is that, uh, The further I go on my healing journey, the more I am starting to psychoanalyze everybody that is within my surroundings, and I've come to realize that there are so many different people in so many different aspects of life that are essentially caught in some kind of a trauma response, you know? Um, Some of them are being triggered from childhood wounds, um, some from marital wounds, and some from both. And um, what one of the things that I am attempting to do in these circumstances, rather than uh, flip the fuck out, which would have been my old MO, is instead I'm trying to see the situation for what it is. And just give that person grace to the best of my ability in those circumstances. Uh, To say this is a change of pace is an understatement. Um, Yeah. 
So, letting go. Well, um, I don't know if I brought this up in the last episode or not. So, a little bit about myself is, um, I think I brought up that I'm going through my second divorce. Uh, a little bit about the first one. My first husband was military. Uh, we got married very young. And uh, not long after we uh, said our vows, we were separated uh, due to him going to some training across the country. In that time frame, let's just say there were a lot of character developments that we both experienced. And uh, I would go so far as to say we got to see the uglier sides of each other that never came out when we were together like ever so I'm sure there were things that he found out about me which I really couldn't elaborate on without asking and I know there are things that I found out about him that um were I don't know like disheartening shocking concerning but uh the weird thing and I guess there's a lesson to be learned here that I'm learning, hopefully, is that uh, the thing that has essentially sent me on my way with both of my marriages is it's stemmed back to um, the person that I didn't know that I was married to. And I say that because during the duration of my first marriage, when we were separated, one of the coping mechanisms that my ex-husband was using to uh, deal with his pain in that circumstance was to drink. And he would drink a lot. And while we were not in each other's presence physically, um, when we did have contact over the phone, um, one of the underlying themes that I had reservations about um, maintaining any physical contact in the future was feeling as though um, I didn't know who he was anymore and I could literally see myself uh, pushing him to the point where he might get physically abusive which is completely 100% the exact opposite of the character portrayal that I had from this individual from any of the time that we spent together before this separation. So it was uh, very disheartening to see how he was dealing with the stress of the situation. Now, I'm not going to say that I was dealing with it in a healthier manner. I think I was better at masking than he was. And I was also finding quieter, unhealthy coping mechanisms to deal with the stress of that circumstance. So instead of drinking, I was spending money. Um, sometimes that money would go towards just clothing to fill the void or books to entertain myself, which was probably the most productive form of debt accommodation I had made at that time. But... Regardless, it was still, you know what I mean, at the end of the day, it was an unhealthy coping mechanism regardless of, you know, what the outcome was. It was just a different kind. 
I, I am under the assumption that the way I dealt with that was not as intimidating to his mental health as what his was to mine, but that is my perception of truth. That might not be his truth. I don't know without asking or, you know, bridging that communication gap. So, sorry, need a little nicotine here, but, uh, that's pretty much a nutshell of what that turned into because at the forefront, my first husband, he essentially presented himself to me as com the complete opposite of anybody that I had ever been involved with uh, romantically leading up to that point. And by that, what I mean is he was a nice guy and seen. You know what I mean? Like, he was, like, a legitimately nice guy. He was goofy, and uh, we had these conversations that were just... It was a different vibe of conversation than uh, most of the other ones I had carried on with people. Um, there wasn't so much philosophical. Um, we did go back and forth about our varying life experiences, but... Um, the intellectual level of the conversations, like his mind fascinated me a lot. Um, he was very into cars, like not like in like a gearhead kind of way. Like, I mean, kind of, but not like, you know what I mean? When you think of an extreme gearhead, that wasn't his uh, thing, but he did really like classic cars. And I remember one of our more fascinating conversations and this is from, I don't even know, it's probably 19 years ago, maybe? Either way, this is a long-ass time ago. Um, he was talking about the possibility of creating an engine for an automobile that was basically fueled by water, uh, or something to that effect. Um, and the how, you know what I mean? Getting into the logistical problem-solving of how to do this. And so, I, like, I don't know if you've ever had one of those types of conversations with anyone, but it was amazing to me. Like, it was completely amazing to me because um, in my previous iteration of life, you know, I was essentially a fuck up. And by that, like, I know that I'm not stupid. I am a very intelligent person. I can come across in said capacity when I need to. However, a lot of the time I don't. Uh, very frequently, I'll have conversations with people where it's, um, I don't know, it's more direct and less verbose. And so anything that really strikes my intellect is something that's a rarity. And uh, I've had a few people that I've come across in life that really do this for me in such a way. And I, I really appreciate these people for what they bring to the table. And so this would be one, another conversation I remember having, um, uh, gosh, I don't know if I can verbalize this correctly, so bear with me, but it had something or other to do with like making streets. Um, I can't remember what kind of material It's just, again, hypothetical scientific bullshit, 
but it was talking about making streets out of certain materials. And I, I think the whole concept was to basically create a hovering automobile um, through magnetic force, for lack of a better term. And just that this is a possibility and it's something that um, humanity as a whole isn't really looking at this um, and finding finding alternate solutions, you know what I mean, to the fuel crisis or whatever, you know, and saving the planet and all that shit. And so it was just, again, it was just, it was on another level, you know, it was a conversation, like I've never really had any conversations with anybody on those types of topics and that kind of a way. And so it, this is one of the draws for me was this caliber of intellect and idealism that were kind of tied together in this human being, right? So this is my first husband. This is what drew me to him is uh, this, his mind. Like he was attractive and he was a really nice guy. And on top, you know what I mean? Like he was goofy and had kind of a silly sense of humor, which is cool because there's something about humor that is just very um, erotic to me in a lot of ways. Like seriously, I, I don't know. There's something about that that's just, it's a very enticing and attracting quality. But with him, it was different. It was not that, you know what I mean? It wasn't the standard, I don't know, like rebellious attitude, which, whew, that gets a girl. But <laughs> so this is what drew me to this guy and basically him turning into, I don't know if I would technically call him an alcoholic or a seven day drunk at the time, because in my mind, there's a distinction. A seven day drunk is somebody that will drink in excess all the time for, you know what I mean? A considerable period of time and yet has the ability to just stop and it doesn't really, um, alter their function. You know what I mean? Like there's no withdrawal. There's no clear and obvious withdrawal symptoms. Whereas, you know, alcoholism or any other kind of addiction, there are, you know, physical and mental withdrawal symptoms where you can tell that there is something missing from this individual. So with him, I never saw that coming. Like not from a hundred miles away would I have ever fucking imagined that this grounded like amazing minded, humorously nice person had the propensity to go so far into the depths of their own despair um, to become literally a completely different person. And it was just one of those things where I think we were doing the same thing in that circumstance, but we were doing it very differently in terms of our methodology. Um, it's, I don't know, it's really fascinating to reflect on. It was, you know, like, pretty much this December would have been our, tw like, would have been our 20-year wedding anniversary, um, should we have, you know, stayed together. And that's something else that I reflect on as well at times. Now, I don't know... And I still can't know if I made the right choice or the wrong choice. But at the same time, um, I feel as though I made the best choice that I could have under the circumstances with my perception and my knowledge in those moments. So that doesn't necessarily say I would or would not have made the same decision now. But 
that's life, I suppose. Um, because I guess uh, neither one of us was adequate at communicating how we were really feeling about anything at that time and dealing with the feelings attached to said any <laughs> said <laughs> in ineffective communication. Um, but it was funny because, uh, like, eh, haha, funny, funny, strange, peculiar, whatever, because, um, all of the reasons that I left him in the end outside of the, you know what I mean? Like having legitimate concerns for my safety, uh, should we reconnect were, um, the things that came about within my second marriage. And I'll probably be talking more about um, number two in a multitude of episodes because it took a considerable time frame for that experience. Whereas the first, um, we got together in 2002 in the fall. We were married in December of 2003, separated in February of 2004, and I ended up filing for divorce in September of 2005. Um, so, tell you a little bit more about that. Um, I forget if I mentioned that he was military. So, he was in the military. And he ended up going across the country for some training. Because uh, he was, what was it? Geos geospatial imaging or something to that effect. I forget. Whatever. Like, that might, I, it might not be the correct technical term. But he was an intelligence analyst. And so... That was something that was important with what he was doing was learning to analyze photography from space or whatever. Um, yeah. And so that's what he went for. Um, literally two weeks before his four months of training was supposed to be finished. So three and a half months into his four months of training, he had a mental breakdown and, uh, I don't remember exactly who it was that he initially had spoken to. I know eventually he had talked to either like a shrink, I don't know, some kind of psychologist, therapist, psychiatrist, whatever. He talked to somebody with some kind of a degree. And because of his position and his mental health, what they had chosen to do was to suspend his security clearance. And uh, for those of you that are not military affiliated... Um, and able to work in the intelligence sector, you have to have a certain level of security clearance because obviously, or maybe not obviously to those of you that are not familiar with this uh, facet of life, you have to be able to deal with intelligence secrets and things to that effect. You have to have a certain level of trustworthiness. And what that means is that there are these people that will verify, you know, all sorts of information about you that you submit. And you basically you have to be trustworthy on paper for lack of, I don't know how to describe this any better. That's what a security clearance is pretty much. It's a cute, fancy ass piece of paper that says, I can trust this motherfucker certifiably. So that's what that's about. And so because of his mental state, um, what the decision was made to suspend his security clearance. And so I give me a second. I'm going to count on my fingers. 
March, April, May. Uh, so this would be, I think, like mid-May 2004, if memory serves correct. Um, that is when he had his securities clearance suspended, and he was basically kept in limbo at the uh, place of his schooling until... Fuck. Sometime in late 2005, if I remember right. Um, it might have been like late summer, early fall. I don't quite recall exactly the timelines because it's been a very long time. But, um, so he was kept in limbo in this position. And while he was there in limbo and still being owned by the military, they had him doing, um, like maintenance stuff around the base. And what's interesting to me, especially reflecting from where I'm at now, is that um, the job that they had him doing while they were waiting to figure out um, what to do next was something that he actually loved. Like, he very much enjoyed all of, like, the mechanics and the labor. And uh, in hindsight, I realized he might have been a very anxious person on the inside and he might have just had really good masking techniques. Because now as an adult, I experience these, th I experience these things myself. Um, one of the things that I love about my job is how sometimes it can be very labor intensive. Um, I cannot fathom sitting behind a desk. Like, seriously, seriously, seriously. I think if I were to sit behind a desk all day, I would lose my fucking mind. You know, like I am like one of them little ankle biter, yappy, anxious ass dogs. If I do not, if not, if I do not burn off this energy, like, ugh, it's atrocious, like absolutely atrocious. That's one of the first things that I should be more tentative of when I'm having a mental decline is that I need to be more physically active. It's tremendously beneficial for my mental health and I would say any of you people that are listening out there if you are struggling with your mental health in the present moment one of the first things that I would recommend trying that might help you either ground you calm you down um, like give you mental clarity and focus is Try finding some kind of like a workout routine or something, you know what I mean? Something to burn off that energy. And if you think about it, on a scientific level, it makes sense. Because basically what you're doing in that moment, so like let's say you have an anxiety attack, right? How do you respond to that? Is uh, you are, uh, if you choose to respond to that through being physically active, basically what you're doing is you're burning off all of those um hormones that are running through your body from the activation of your flight or fight or flight response. And so that's, you know, you're, you're getting that through your system. You're actually working it through your system instead of just like holding on to it, you know? And then, um, if you hold on to it, then it builds. I mean, sometimes there can be the exacerbation of other stressors that will add to that in the process, but that's something that it's very helpful, very, very helpful to do is to burn, to burn that off. 
Um, so that's one of the lessons that I should have learned sooner from my ex-husband that I didn't. But um, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? That's that's what they say. So yeah, I learned to let go um, of that relationship only at the point in which I thought that it might be um, unsafe for my health physically. Not my mental health, because uh, this is where we get to the humorous parts, right? Um, let's just say I am learning to be more conscientious of my own mental state and aware of it. Um, I have been involved with uh, masking and compartmentalizing for years and years and years. Um that was one of the skills that I learned during my second marriage all too well was how to compartmentalize and to keep moving forward and just kind of, it's almost like being stuck. Um, I, and it's like being stuck in like a high functioning survival mode where the only thing you do is move from one thing to the next, one task to the next, and you just keep going. And then everything that you're feeling is just, um, it's, uh, being stored. I, I like to, re I like to refer to this storage space as Pandora's box because it seems very fitting from, you know, where, when I opened it. So, but that's all I have for today. I think I'm going to have to do a whole nother other segment on this topic and talking about, um, uh, other relationships so I'm not rambling on for like the rest of my life so thank you for joining me and uh, be well